0: good morning let's uh open ourselves in a word of prayer lord we are so grateful for the uh, opportunity again this sunday to go through your word and discover the truths that are in it lord we just pray that our our eyes would be opened to your word uh, as we read about the man who had his eyes opened to uh to seeing you as his savior we pray that we would here in our hearts as well, and apply these things to our, our hearts and our, uh, our lives. In your name, amen. We are going through uh, the book of Matthew this, uh, this week, and we're in chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. It's the story of two blind men who receive their sight. Again, the passage is Matthew 20, verses 29 through 34. Jesus just finishes teaching his uh, disciples on how to serve. They ask him who's the greatest, and he says you can be great by serving, and so now he does a very practical illustration of how to be great. He does it by serving people, uh, particularly these two blind men. Uh, I'll start in our passage. In verse uh, 29 we read, Now as they went out to Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still, and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now our passage takes us to the city of Jericho. Jesus is passing by through this city and he's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to um, be exalted as the, the king on the uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and there he will then be crucified and die for the sins of all of us. Uh, so it is this one city that he goes through, and he passes by these two blind men who are sitting by the way. Uh, the uh, blind men in verse 30 it says, We're sitting by the road, and we really open up with a desperate situation in this passage. There's two blind men, and we don't know what caused their blindness, but many things could have caused it. Uh, Cataracts or glaucoma are very common causes of blindness. They had very poor sanitation back then. They didn't have antibiotics or effective surgeries or preventative health like we do today. You couldn't just go down to Costco and get glasses. Um, So even uh, minor issues like um, poor vision could turn into blindness Ultimately, without treatment. So essentially, these men had no cure in their day. There was a few things they could have done, but nothing to fix their blindness. It would take a miracle for these men to see. So we see that they're desperate. There's no cure, and they're severely handicapped. They're blind. And as a blind person, it's very difficult to earn a living. Most jobs today require that you can see what you're doing to work. Uh, Even with today's world, with all the programs for disabilities and accessibility, it's still hard to find a good job to support yourself. Most people end up relying on their friends and family, relying on the government to supply the needs of their um, their food and housing, or simply becoming beggars like these men. Physical blindness in that day was a really big issue, Um, but the Bible often uses physical uh, blindness to illustrate the bigger issue of spiritual blindness. The Pharisees um, are a great easy example of spiritual blindness to talk about. In Matthew Jesus calls the Pharisees the blind leaders of the blind and Isaiah talks about people who are like them and says uh, those who are led by them are destroyed and Jesus later says in Luke Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? And Paul says in Romans about people like them that they consider themselves guides for the blinds, but they are hypocrites and they don't practice what they preach to others. Uh, This is spiritual blindness. However, Peter tells us uh, how someone can gain their sight, their spiritual sight, and it's by having genuine faith in Christ. 1 Peter uh, 1 tells us about Christ... Uh, he's talking to believers how they, have, they can now see the light of the gospel. And speaking of Christ, he says, Whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. However, people like the Pharisees, um, who are ignorant uh, to these things, Uh, we're spiritually blinded by the law and by Satan. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, even to this day, when when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart, and it covers, um, they are not able to see the truth of the gospel. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, so they're able to see. We who know the Lord today and are saved have spiritual sight, we can see um, the truth of the gospel. Um, the Bible also says that the things of, the, of God are, are foolishness to the world, but to us, um, they are great truths. Jesus uh, tells us on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five, "'You are the light of the world. "'A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, "'nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he tells us a uh, command, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. A key takeaway here from this verse, uh, verse uh, 30 of uh, our passage, is that these, my, these men were uh, blind in the physical sense, and they were in a very desperate situation where they had to beg for their daily needs. Uh, But those who reject Christ are in an even more desperate situation than these men because of their spiritual blindness. So as believers, we need to live our lives in a way that proclaims the gospel of Christ to others so that they can, those who are in darkness, um, who are spiritually blind, can come to salvation and uh, gain their spiritual sight. uh, Our passage continues with verse 30. Uh, It says, When they heard that Jesus was passing by, these men really uh, only had one chance to meet Jesus when he was passing them by. What had they heard about him? Who is he? And what can he do for me? Jesus had done many miracles throughout his time on earth. He had healed the blind. He had raised the dead. He had Um, cured many illnesses wherever he went. And while these men couldn't see what he did, certainly they must have heard about what he had done. Um, So once Jesus walked by and they heard the crowd, they asked about the situation, who is this? Um, And uh, they recognized him as Lord. They were in a very desperate situation, but uh, they waited for the one opportunity when Jesus would walk by through their town. Looking later at the scriptures, we find that Jesus never did come back to Jericho. If they had decided to wait, uh, that would have been their only chance. Uh, Jesus had his uh, his gaze fixed towards Jerusalem where he was going to be crucified later. Um, these blind men had one chance. Uh, the same is true uh, in a sense with today. God gives everybody a chance to know him. God gives everybody at least um, one chance. People can get many more chances than that. People can get a whole lifetime of chances to know him. To some he gives less, to some he gives more. But the reality is that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're only um, given today, which is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 too, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. These blind men had one chance to uh, know their Savior. The key takeaway here is I want to encourage you to keep on witnessing to the lost and unsaved. God can use you to be that light to somebody who's in darkness and give them a chance to know the Savior. Remember that your time on earth here is just a blip on the radar. You only have a few minutes in light of eternity. Um, Your life is just nothing but dust and but but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Jesus is passing by and he wants you to share the good news of salvation with others. And for the, the ones who aren't saved, the Opportunity is today. Today is the day of salvation. Uh, you don't know uh, what tomorrow will bring. In verse 30, these men continue, and it says, as Jesus passes by, they cry out and they say, have mercy on us. These men were crying out to God for mercy. And their, their cry of mercy really expresses how desperate they are. That They've seen, well, not seen, but they've uh, experienced no hope in their lives. Uh, The only thing people could offer them was a temporary fix to their problems. So they put their hope in Jesus. People would offer them a meal for the day. They could offer them a place to sleep at night. They might offer them temporary work. But ultimately tomorrow, they're going to have to come back and beg all over again. They're never going to be healed of their blindness um, from anybody that they beg of. But what they realized when Jesus walked by was that Jesus could heal them um, of their blindness. He could take them out of this desperate situation that they were in. So when we come to Jesus with our requests, we should come to him with the same boldness that these men had. We should put away all of our doubts and take a step out in faith that Jesus will answer us the way these men came boldly to him. These blind men never physically saw the miracles, but they still responded in faith from what they heard and all the promises and glories about Jesus. We should be just like them, having great faith and coming boldly to God for mercy, crying out, have mercy on me. In Hebrews 4, it says, Let us therefore come boldly, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you can rest assured, knowing that your uh, prayers are being heard by the Lord. David says in Psalm 18, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. So as the Lord is passing by, they cry out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And when they cry out this phrase, O Lord, Son of David, what they're really saying is they could have said, Sir, have mercy on me, but they call him by his title, Lord, Son of David. And by doing this, they recognize him as the Messiah because it was well known in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah prophesied and many others prophesied about one who is coming, who would be a descendant of the King David um, from the Old Testament, Uh, and that he would reign with an everlasting kingdom, that he would heal the blind and cure sicknesses, raise the dead. Isaiah says in chapter nine, uh, for unto us a child is born, and uh, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, These blind beggars believed what the scriptures told them about Jesus, which is why they really call him Lord, son of David. And they also must have clung to the truths uh, in the Psalms where it says that the son of David will help those who are poor and needy just like themselves. It says in Psalm 72, verse 12 and 13, for he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence and precious shall be their blood in his sight. Additionally, because they believed that he was Lord, they believed that he was God, so they believed in the miraculous healing power that, uh, of what God can do. Uh, so they believed that the, this Lord could give them sight. Isaiah uh, 9:2 says, "The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light; those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined." So while these blind beggars could recognize that He was a long-awaited Messiah. Um, It's interesting that the religious leaders back in the day who were able to see all of these miracles happen with their own eyes, they blinded themselves to the truth of who Jesus is. Um, They did not recognize him as Lord um, over them. They uh, ultimately crucified him uh, because of their unbelief. Uh, We continue in verse 31 it says then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet as the crowd was walking by these men uh, the men cry out for mercy and the crowd tells them to keep quiet about their problems the crowd really seems quite short-sighted and forgetful more than likely many of the people that are in this crowd uh, around Jesus have been healed themselves There were uh, people who had already received merciful healing from Jesus, who had been raised from the dead, who had been cured of their leprosy and their blindness and uh, their paralyzed state. Others in the crowd were simply there because they had received a free meal, but they still received mercy from God where their stomachs were filled with bread and fish that Jesus provided for them. At one point or other, many in the crowd had needs that Jesus filled. But the crowd seems um, to be ignorant of the needs of these blind beggars. These people in the crowd were blessed by what Jesus did for them, but they didn't see the need of somebody else that also needed help and mercy. It seems like the crowd was blessed, but didn't, um, couldn't see the issues in other people's lives. When it's When you're uh, comfortable in life and when you're blessed, it is more difficult to see the needs of people around you because you're comfortable. You don't see the hardship on a daily basis anymore. Um, And you might say to somebody in need, well, I don't have time to hear about your problems or I don't really um, feel like helping you. You might not say it to their face, but you might think it. It might take too much effort to go out of my way and be there for you? Do you have people in your own life who you um, have noticed that you might be insensitive to their needs? And really for myself, I know that I um, am guilty of this. If a beggar asks me for help, um, I might just walk by and say, no, not today. Um, But I know this is something I need to change, Somebody might have a prayer request, and uh, I know that I could help them. I, I do have the time, but I just choose not to. I know I need a change, and I'm preaching to myself here that I'm not the greatest at this. Um, but we do need to be more sensitive to people who need compassion, to people who do need mercy. Uh, the solution is really simple, though. Jesus tells us he wants us to show compassion to others just as he has shown it to us. And he gives a great illustration. Um, a few weeks ago, we covered it, where somebody was forgiven a great debt. And in Matthew eighteen thirty-three, Jesus uh, says to the person who was forgiven a great debt, um, essentially, why didn't you then forgive people who had lesser debt than what you were forgiven. Uh, He says, should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? So when you find yourself being insensitive to people who have needs, um, remember how the Lord had pity on you, how he had compassion on you. The key point is to meditate on how the Lord treated you. The Lord made time for these beggars. And we, just like these men, have been beggars at one point or another in our lives. We definitely were beggars when we were reaching out for desperation uh, while we were dead in sins. And we were reaching out for a Savior. And even though um, we already have been saved, if we uh, know him as our Lord and Savior today, We still do need daily grace, we need mercy, and we need compassion every single day. Um, Just because we've received salvation doesn't mean that we don't need mercy anymore. So then, what we also need to do is then show that same mercy that we've been shown to other people. Um, We need to be merciful just as he's been merciful to us. So after the the crowd tells these men um, to keep quiet, to keep their problems to themselves, that Jesus doesn't have time for them, essentially, their response is really encouraging. Um, Verse 31 says, But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. These beggars repeated their cry to the Savior, but this time they cried out louder, To get his attention and by repeating their cry it shows how much faith they had in what he could do Uh, many people were discouraging them and telling them to keep quiet about the problem but all it caused them to do was to stick to the faith that they had and cry out even more to cry out even louder our lord today reminds us and encourages us to not lose heart when we pray and cry out to him he gives us the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18. He says, um, uh, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary and he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night, though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. The key here is that our Lord doesn't want us to give up and he doesn't want us to lose heart when we cry out to him for mercy and compassion. And he encourages us to keep on crying out until we receive an answer from him. In your own lives, think about uh, how desperate you were The situation that you were in before you knew the Lord when you were dead in your sins and your trespasses how did you feel what did the Lord offer you that you so desperately needed the Lord offered you salvation the biggest one and forgiveness He offered you peace, love, and joy, and mercy. We were just like those blind men, and God answered our cry, and he showed us mercy, forgiveness. He healed us, he restored our souls, and he opened our eyes so that we could see him and follow him, giving us sight. So I wanna encourage you to keep on crying out to God for mercy, no matter what situation you're in, and he will hear you and he will give you an answer. And we see that that's very true in our next verse here in verse 32. It says, so Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Even though the king is very busy on his way to Jerusalem for his triumphal entry, he still makes the time to acknowledge these two men who are in need. I'm going to give an illustration, and it's quite limited, but imagine that you're on a parade for the president rolling by, and everybody's calling out his name, crying out to him, and yelling and waving signs, and um, you cry out and call his name and ask for mercy saying, uh, have mercy on me, Mr. President. I can't afford to put food on my table this week for my family. We're going to starve. Now, most likely what's going to happen is the president will ignore you. He probably won't hear you, or he'll choose not to hear you. Uh, And at best, you might get lucky and have him look at you in the face and wave. Or you might get a handshake at best. In reality he's not very likely to actually address your issue or fix your situation that you're in. Now, this is the president of the United States. You likely wouldn't even get a mayor to do that for you. Now, back to our passage, Jesus is walking by these men who are in desperate need of his help, the God of the universe, who created these men, who loves them. He stops by, And asks them, what do you want me to do for you? He has, uh, these men have his undivided attention. Now, you are just like these men. But instead of having just one chance to ask for mercy, you can come to him in prayer at any time. At any time, day or night, he is there for you. And he encourages you to come boldly to him. Asking for things. The God who sits on the throne, holding the universe together, maintaining life as we know it, um, is asking you to come to him with your requests. And it sounds like a very busy job doing all that, but he still encourages you to ask and come to him boldly. Uh, I'll repeat the same verse from earlier. uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. So you should be encouraged this morning knowing that when you pray to God, you have his undivided attention. It's not just going up in the air. He will hear you and he will give you an answer. We can praise the Lord this morning that we have such a great God who does this for us. And I do wanna encourage you with Psalm 34, where David cries out to uh, the Lord for an answer and the Lord answers him. Uh, He says in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cries out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Jesus asks these men, what do you want me to do for you? Knowing full well that they were blind and that they were beggars. He knew what they needed, he knew what they wanted, but he still asked them. And for us, um, He wants us to tell him all of our needs daily in our prayers, expressing our trust to him and our reliance on him that he can provide for us. But sometimes we can go through life empty-handed simply because we don't ask him. James 4.2 says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And now the Lord comes to you this morning and he says, what do you want me to do for you? He wants you to ask, what do you need today? Do you need forgiveness? Then you can come boldly to him and ask him for forgiveness. And he will say to you, your sins are forgiven. Do you need cleansing? Then ask him today for cleansing. And he'll he'll say to you, I am willing, be clean. Do you need peace in your life? Then ask him for peace. And he will say to you, my peace I give to you. Do you need daily victory over sin in your life? Then ask him for victory. And he will have mercy on you and forgive you and say, To you, like the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, go now and leave your life of sin. And if you need guidance in your life, then ask him for guidance, and he will um, instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Do you need comfort? Then simply ask him this morning for comfort, and he will tell you, it is I. Do not be afraid do you need assurance? Then ask him for assurance and he will say to you, fear not for I have redeemed you. And if you need more, insu- more assurance than that, then remember that he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And if you need grace this morning, then ask him for grace because God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And if you need help in temptation, then ask him for help, for in that he himself was, uh, has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. The Lord can offer all of these things to you and more, but you have to believe by faith that you will receive them. Our Lord reminds us in the next chapter, in chapter 21 of Matthew, says that whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. When Jesus healed these men, he told them that it was their faith that made them well, that made them whole, really. Cry out to God today for mercy, for forgiveness, for whatever it is that you need today, and believe in faith that you will receive it, and God will answer you. Verse 33 gives the the response of the men. Jesus calls to them and says, what do you want me to do for you? And so they give what they have as the greatest need of their lives. They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. They could have cried out for anything and they could have asked for spare change, food, shelter, or a temporary job. But they could have asked anybody in the crowd for that. When they heard that Jesus was walking by, they asked Jesus for the solution to their greatest need, not just a Band-Aid to their problem. They said, Lord, we want to see. They sought mercy from the one who could give them the greatest mercy and heal them. And perhaps they may have been familiar with the promises in Psalm 130 where it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. So when you cry out to God, how great is your faith when you cry out to him? It's good to ask him for your daily needs, and he definitely encourages us to ask him for our daily uh, bread and for our food and our um, supply for rent. Uh, for a car that runs. All these things are great things to ask him every day. And he's definitely more than capable to provide these things for you. But are you asking him for the things that actually um, are the solution to your problems? Are you asking him today for peace, comfort, forgiveness, mercy and assurance, and true joy and victory over sin? I really do believe that so many of our problems in life Um, could be solved if we just pray for these um, things that um, are the real issues in our lives. So these men cry out for their greatest need, and then they get the response back from the Lord. In verse 34, it says, So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. The compassionate and merciful king answers the request here. And what we really see from this verse is the character of Jesus demonstrated when he heals these two men. These people were nobodies. In the eyes of the world and in the eyes of the crowd walking by, they were a distraction. Jesus is busy and he has his face set towards Jerusalem. He's on his way to die on the cross where he will save the world of its sins and give them forgiveness. These two men are in the way. They're asking for something. They don't have anything to offer him. All they have is their problems to give him. Jesus has a lot on his mind. He's a very busy man. What are these two insignificant blind men to him? And he's already healed so many other blind men, so many other people he raised from the dead and healed other sicknesses. Isn't that good enough? Why bother to help? Um, But the Lord still makes time for these men. The truth is that even though this was the desperate situation of these men, they're more than just beggars. In the eyes of Jesus, he had compassion on them because they are made in the image of God These are people that he came to this world to die for, to offer forgiveness, to offer his love. And the same really is true for you. You might feel insignificant. You might feel like nothing, like a beggar. But Jesus came to die for you. Jesus came to show how much he loves you and remind you that you are made in the image of God and that you are valuable. You are not a nobody. Jesus showed compassion on these men who were nobodies. And he also, wherever he went, um, had compassion on the crowds. He fed them. He healed them. He taught them when they were lacking understanding um, through his compassion. And the same is really true of you today. You are, um, the Lord has compassion on you wherever you're at today. He doesn't see you uh, as somebody just coming to him and being a uh, nuisance or being a bother. The Lord welcomes you to come into his presence today. He wants you to uh, be with him and experience the love that he has for you. It says in the Psalms, in Psalm 130, uh, 145, the Lord is gracious and full of, Of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. The key takeaway here is that the Lord had compassion on these men of all people as beggars. They had nothing to give Him but their problems, but it shows the character of Jesus that he will also have compassion on you when you cry out to him for mercy. So these men had this great problem. The Lord hears them and answers them. And uh, now we see their response back to him. It says in verse 34, and they followed him. They placed their faith in Jesus to have mercy on them and to heal them. And Jesus did heal them, and then what they, the men did is that they used their new sight to follow Jesus. In Mark's Gospel of this account, Jesus tells them, go your way. And they could have gone to live their own lives wherever they wanted to go, but the cho- uh, chosen path for them that they decided was following after Christ, that was their way. They had no other place to go. And these men had the right response to the Savior after they followed him. What they did was, in Luke's account of the miracle, it says that they glorified God. And uh, later in the passage, it says that the crowds started glorifying God together and praising him. Um, And it seems like it just transitions into the the next chapter where everybody's praising God and praising the Savior as he's entering uh, on the donkey into uh, Jerusalem. Now, if you're here this morning and you are still, uh, still spiritually blind, do not waste a moment today. The Lord is passing by and he is not guaranteeing you tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to cry out to him for mercy and he will open your eyes and give you spiritual sight. Um, so that you can know him as your personal Lord and Savior. It's the most important and the only choice uh, that matters in your life. Do not delay making this choice. And if you do know your Lord and, the Lord as your uh, Savior today, the truth is that at one point in your life, you were just like these men who were crying out for mercy to God. You were in such a desperate situation where you were dead in your sins and your trespasses You heard how Jesus was able to cleanse you from your old life and give you a new life to forgive you of your sins and provide you with lasting joy and peace and hope. And you cried out to him for mercy on your soul, recognizing him as the Lord of your life. And he gave you new life. He says to uh, to you this morning, your faith has made you well. So now what you can do today is continue walking with him by faith, praising and giving uh, glory to him for what a great miracle he has done for you and encouraging others to do the same. And the theme of your life can echo the words of the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's uh, close our eyes and order prayer as we uh, meditate on these things. Lord, we are so grateful for you including this story uh, in the Bible for us today for us to learn of the mercy and compassion you had for these two beggars. And Lord, we were just like them as beggars, hopeless without you, and you passed by, and we cried out for mercy, Lord, and you healed us. Lord, if there's anybody here today that hasn't cried out to him for mercy, we just pray that you would open their eyes this morning, that they would receive the mercy of salvation that they would have spiritual sight. We just pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.